Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know, just standing there listening to this worshiping. I think something that's on every one of our minds is our current situation, our current, uh, the atmosphere we currently live in and how troubled it seems and how chaotic it seems. Anybody else have that? (laughs) I mean, you can't hardly flip on the news. You can't hardly look at social media. You can't hardly talk to anybody on the street without feeling that chaotic piece of, of the environment we live in. And what is, what is the answer? You know, you ask anyone, there's a lot of opinions about answers, isn't there? Everybody's got one. They're just like, well, you know, everybody's got an opinion, but do we have resolve? And it's hard to find that resolve unless you go to the scripture. And this is, I believe I know what the resolve is. And just listening to what we were singing and the, um, you know, the hum, the, the, the humbleness of being, um, the supposed humbleness of being a Christian, because you got to be intentional about humbling yourself, especially in these times, especially when you've got thoughts of your own and opinions of your, of your own. We've got to come back to, to this. And you've heard it probably in every wedding you've gone to. It's probably on a plaque in your house somewhere. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. It says there you've got faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So when you look around in this world, when you look around and are affected by the environment going on around you, what the news is saying, what social media is saying, what your friends are saying, what your coworkers are saying, know that it takes us to bring the sacrifice of ourselves in love. Putting ourselves on the altar of love. People don't understand it, but it'll totally disarm everything around you that wants to come against you. It doesn't make us weak to walk in love. And and listen to me. Love is not ishy squishy. You know, so many times Christians have been given this thing that you have to be this mushy, ishy squishy love person. Sometimes love is standing up and telling somebody you're being a butt. We've got to tell the truth, and we've got to tell the truth in love. Amen? 
let's let's purpose to put ourselves on the sacrifice on the altar of love. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the awesome opportunity to get to worship you, to get to to praise you. And that Father, I pray that we don't just come to church to worship you. That we worship you every day. That with every breath we begin to give you praise and worship. Because God, you are a real God. You are the God of miracles. And you do it again and again and again in our lives. We thank you so much for what you have out ahead of us today. And we'll be careful to give you all honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How y'all doing today? Good deal. Well, it's sure good to see y'all. If you would, um, I guess, look at somebody and say, hello, glad to see you. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. I, um, you know, in, in honor of what today is, um, is about, um, what this, what this day holds, Father's Day, just, I just want to ask you all if you would be in prayer for my father. <clears throat> His health is not great right now. And that's where I was the last couple of weeks. I've been, I've been down with my dad and, and spending time with him and helping out uh, getting his health um, back to, hopefully back to normal, of some normalcy for him. But uh, if you would just be, be in prayer for him. His name is Jim. So um, anyways, are you all here today? Okay, just making sure. Uh, sure, good to, sure good to be in your presence again. Uh, those of you that could make it to, to church this morning, to, to the house this morning. But uh, I want to just once again just uh, say welcome to our Facebook Live, our, our platforms that we have out there that people are listening live or maybe a rebroadcast of this later on down the line. But uh, we thank you so much. Thank God for technology that we have this ability to keep this going or to even have this whenever, uh, whenever everybody was in lockdown. So anyways, it's good to see y'all. Good to have y'all. Good to, good to be in, in your presence this morning. Amen? So um, with that, I just want to transition this way. I want to start out this way. is um, a little history lesson. Since everybody's uh, in the world is out about trying to erase history, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim it. How about that? <clears throat> In, um, in 1898, there was a 16-year-old girl named Sonora Smart. And Sonora Smart, at 16 years old, watched a tragedy happen in her life. And sometimes my wife says, you tell some of the most awful stories. <laughs> and uh, so this one's going to start out that way, but it's not going to... The end is better. But the 16-year-old girl named Sonora Smart watched her mother die in childbirth, giving birth to her sixth child. It's terrible, huh? Well, that's all I got for you today. Uh, Go and be happy. No, um, so Sonora watched her father step into the role. He was just a farmer. He was a Civil War veteran, and he was a farmer. And she watched him step into the role 
to raise six kids. She helped her dad raise these, these five brothers that were younger than her. <clears throat> and, but she watched her dad step into this role and raise these kids on a farmer's budget. Um, years later, when she was, after she was married, she was in a service, in a church service, in Spokane, Washington, and um, she heard a message that morning talking about a newly recognized day called Mother's Day. And she said, my mother passed on, but my dad stepped into this role, and I think I admired him so much that I think there should be a day commemorating and celebrating fathers who step up. And so she went to the Ministerial Alliance of Spokane, Washington, and she proposed that they, that they do that. She went to the Ministerial Alliance. She didn't go to the government. She went to the church and proposed that day. And so on June 19th, 1910, the first Father's Day was celebrated. In 1966... President Lyndon B. Johnson commemorated Father's Day and declared that it should be held every year the um, third Sunday of June. In 1972, President Nixon signed it into law that it would be a national holiday for America, that, that Father's Day would be celebrated the third Sunday in June. Guess where we're at today? The third Sunday in June, all because this girl went through a tragedy, came to the church and saw that her father needed to be honored. So based upon that story today, I want to say happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day. And over the, um, over the last several years, and I think I, I was standing there at my chair a while ago and listening to Kelsey and I was thinking that Kelsey was preaching my message. I'm like, girl, shut up. No, I didn't, I didn't know. I wasn't saying that. But over the last several years, um, what I have seen or what I've begun to hear with Father's Day is there's been a little bit of pushback against Father's Day, even against Mother's Day and, and some of these special days honoring people and, and that, um, Some people have felt that it's been kind of insensitive for them to celebrate or to bring this huge recognition to Father's Day because they themselves may not have had a father in their life or that they had um, maybe a deadbeat dad or maybe uh, an abusive father or, or maybe their father had passed on and, and so it was a, it was a hurtful day or is a day that, that kind of hurt a little bit. And I, I get that. I get it. I hear you. But in the midst of that, I just want you to know that no father, no person, no man on this earth fathers perfectly. We all make mistakes. I rem- <laughs> I remember, um, that I, I made mistakes with my kids and, uh, making those mistakes with my kids. Uh, what I remember the most is having to humble myself and set down a three-year-old, 
set down a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 19-year-old. I had to set them down, humble myself, and tell them, I apologize, I was wrong. I, I had to do that. I had to ask my children at times to forgive me for being imperfect or to forgive me, not just being imperfect, but making mistakes with my kids. And that does a lot to a person who is able to, to sit down, to, to not just rule over their kids, but to sit down with them and say, look, I, I, I made a mistake. I messed up. I had um, got a hold of my kids. I got a hold of Rhett down in Texas, and I set my daughter down, or I, I confronted her. And I said, do you remember anything that I did wrong? That I, I said, I want to be vulnerable before the church and tell them what I did wrong with you. And both of them could not think of a story. That's awesome. <laughs> that, is so, that is so great. That is the perfect picture of forgiving and forgetting. And so, <clears throat> anyways, upon that, you know, the Father's Day for some is um, a most difficult day. For others, it's an awesome day. For some, it's, it reflects the worst times of their life. And for others, it reflects the greatest times of their life. For some, it reminds them of abuse and wrongs done to them by their father. And others, it reminds them of how loving a father can be. For some, it's about a father they never knew. And for others, it's about a best friend. For some, it's about a father that was not present. And for others, it's about a father that was at every activity that the, that the, that the kid did, you know, having to set through third grade chorus. Oh, my gosh. Those are nightmare times. But showing up to wrestling matches, to BMX, to, to basketball, football games, to, to cheerleading, whatever the case may be. But this is what I do know. Out of all of that stuff, this is what I do know. Is that when you look at the Ten Commandments, y'all remember the Ten Commandments? When you look at the Ten Commandments, what you've got to understand about the Ten Commandments is this is the first four commandments in the Ten Commandments are all about man's relationship with God. The last five commandments are all about God, uh, man's relationship with other people. The fifth commandment is the commandment that is a transitional commandment. It applies to not only our relationship with God, but it applies to our relationship with other people. And the fifth commandment, is this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, I don't know if this had anything to do with why Sonora Smart, the lady we talked about in the beginning, lived till she was 96 years old. But I can say that it probably had a lot to do with it because she had an honor for her father. And wanted to do that. But see this verse, this fifth, um, fifth commandment is transitional because it requires honor. 
It's the Ten Commandments. The command is to honor. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It says, honor your father and mother. The word honor there means to make heavy with esteem or to value. So I've, I've preached that before from this pulpit and, and talked about honoring your father and mother. And there's just some people that can't grasp that. And I get it. And they asked me the question, how do I honor my father who wasn't there or who was abusive or made mistakes that it's hard for me to get past? If that's you and you're sitting here, you're listening, you're watching, I want to say this to you. Let me be a father that stands before you and says, I apologize. I apologize for not being there for you. I apologize for missing activities. I apologize for the abuse, for the verbal, for the physical, maybe even the sexual abuse. I apologize for that. There is no excuse, but I apologize. I apologize for passing away before you knew who I was. I apologize for not being there. And I ask you to forgive me. I know that that is is heavy. And I know it carries a lot of weight. And I hope that something on the inside of you just switched a little bit. To understand that no matter what a man does, there is something good on the inside of him somewhere. And that you can find honor somewhere. You can find some value. But I want to tell you that out of all of that, this is where it starts. It starts with God. The healing of that, the moving forward from that, starts with God. Let's, um, let's kind of lighten the load a little bit. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for each person. Uh, I thank you, God, for this time we have together. I thank you for our moments that we spend together. And God, let them be divine moments. Let them be um, those kairos moments, those moments appointed, especially from you to us. And Father, may may we value those moments. May it be like iron sharpening iron. And may may we leave this place today sharper, and more, um, more piercing into the darkness of this world than we've ever been before in our lives. We thank you. We praise you for what you're going to do in this service today. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Father's Day is about honoring fathers. And for each and every one of us, every one of us there are fathers there. They, you know, fathers are maybe adopted fathers or maybe foster fathers or step fathers or mothers who took on the role as fathers to raise kids. Amen? And 
Last but not least, there's biological fathers. There's father figures in our life, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach, maybe a counselor, maybe a boss, maybe a mentor. And then there's spiritual fathers, maybe a pastor or a minister or a spiritual leader of some sort. But there's fathers that you can honor. If you, if you can't find that, if, if you don't have that father in your life that you can honor, there's other places to honor those who have taught you how to get through life. Amen? Amen. But there is one father that rises above all fathers. And it's called, he's called the essential father. That's what I'm titling this message today. It's called the essential father. Essential. It's a big word in our society today, isn't it? Essential, everybody. You know, who's essential? What's essential? You know, essential is a term that is being thrown around. So I thought I would throw it around in a sermon. Because the word essential means this. It means crucial. It means preeminent. It means vital. It means all important. The base uh, definition for the word essential means absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Because the base word for essential is the word essence. Essence means this, the, in, the inherent true nature of anything. The base of that is to be. To be. Who it be and what it be. That's what the essence of anything is. And when we talk about God as the essential father, it's who he be. It's what he be. So if you have your Bibles with you today, if you would go over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And um, Jesus established... Got to set my little ball there. It's, my, my little ball's got a smiley face on it. Because it's telling me to have a nice day. You know Forrest Gump come up with that, right? Go watch the movie, you'll get it. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus established the Father's position in our lives in his very first sermon. Jesus uh, was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's establishing some things. It's his first sermon out of the box, which it was a very lengthy sermon. So I'm walking in good steps. Hopefully not today, but... I usually do. But he established the essential father in his very first sermon. Not that God was only his father, but that anyone who comes into relationship with God has an identity of God being their father. And this is, this is what he says. Now, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, and many of you know this, these scriptures... We say them a lot around here. But in verse 7, it says, Jesus is talking to the people and he says, When you pray. Now the word pray means to communicate with God or to communicate back and forth. He says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions, as people with other religions do. 
they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Now notice, Jesus didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. And he says this, and it's a prayer that we, we all know as the, as the, the um, Lord's Prayer. Yeah, thank you. Just, just went blank. And, and what's funny is when we pray the Lord's Prayer, sometimes we pray it over and over and over and over. And he said, don't pray that way. But Jesus goes on. He says, pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to stop right there. Because this is what I want to point out to you. Is that Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father. Our Father. He didn't say, my Father. He said, our Father. He said, our Father, because he's, he's, it's not about approaching God as Jesus' Father, or some minister's Father, or some priest's Father, or some pastor's Father. He is saying, this is a... Per- when you have relationship with God, it is personal. He is personally your father. Through relationship, he becomes your father. He's not just our God, but it is essential to know that God is our father. He's your father and he's my father. And he is a perfect father. And and I, I think that when I just said that, there's some of you in this room or maybe watching that there was something that just clicked on the inside of you that gave you a sense of freedom. There, there's a freedom there because maybe before God, you know, God has been your God, but you really didn't know him as father. You didn't really look at him as that way. You saw him as this big spirit in the sky, but you didn't really connect that he's your father. Maybe you thought like I did. I, I thought for years that uh, until, just, until just recently, I thought that God was this stoic, big, colorless man, kind of grouchy old man with a frown on his face had a scroll rolled up of the Ten Commandments ready to bust you in the head with it. That's the way I looked at it a lot of times. I remember uh, several years ago, it's, it's been, and I, I say it was recent, uh, 2015, I think it was. And I, I've been a preacher for a long time. I mean, I've been in a relationship with God for a long time. I've seen God move through my life and, and say things through me that, that I step back and go, Man, that was good. You know, <laughs> without God, I wouldn't have had that. But in like 2015, I was going through a um, a deal that we call uh, freedom freedom prayer, and and I was doing a freedom prayer with a guy. And freedom prayer is nothing but examining, letting God examine your heart and your mind, 
And if there's any crazy stuff that's not of God, you know, any kind of um, religious type things that are inside of you, to be able to recognize those things and let those things go. And so I was doing this freedom prayer with this guy. He was kind of leading me through it. We was praying together. And, and he said, he said uh, okay, he said, just, just close your eyes for a minute. Um, let's just, in your mind's eye, let's just go before the throne of God. I was like, okay. So as we do that, he, he looks at me and he says, so what do you see in your mind's eye when you come before the throne of God? And I'll tell you honestly what I saw was this animated scene, kind of like something you'd see in Toy Story or one of those animated shows like that, you know, kind of almost realistic, but not quite Looney Tunes, you know? (laughs) So I see this scene, and it's a beautiful blue sky, but it was almost like a Greek god type of scene, uh, ancient Greece type of scene. These marble steps, there were so many marble steps leading up to this marble throne and all these marble pillars around this throne and sitting on this throne was this marble God almost looked like a Greek God, like what is portrayed as Greek gods, an old grouchy man made of marble and so cold. And it looked like he was just ticked off. And this is the way I was seeing God in my mind's eye. Mind you, I've been, I've been a pastor for 15 years at this point. And this is the way I was relating to God. This is the way I was relating to my father, God. And so we began to, to pray about those things. And I began to let go of some of those things. And, and this man told me, he, says, he said, why don't, you, why don't you just climb up in the father's lap? And so in my mind's eye, I began to climb up in my father's lap. And as I did, as I took hold of the bottom of his um, garment, it became real in my hands. It wasn't cold marble anymore. As I climbed up into his lap, it wasn't a long way up. It was just this, like this man. And he became warm. And I could see his skin on his hands. And I could hear his heartbeat. And God at that moment became real. He became a father. He wasn't this cold, marble, statuesque, stoic type of being. He became real to me. And since that day, when I go before the father, that's the way I see him. And that's the way I feel him. And that's, for me, that that just, that changed everything. For me, that was essential. It changed my position. I, I think that Josh did such an amazing job last week talking about position. And as I think about that, it changed my position in how I see God. It, it changed my position from standing on this bottom step of marble and looking up at this cold, statuesque God and, and brought me into the lap. My perception is now from the lap of the Father. Now I understand what the Apostle Paul was saying in Galatians chapter 4. Listen, listen to what he says here. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, because, And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit 
of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Did, did, did you hear what I said? When we have that place where we realize that God as a father is essential in our lives, we begin to realize that we have this connection with him that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is a Hebrew term that translated into English means daddy. It means papa. It means pops. There's a term of endearment. I, I, I cannot tell you what changed in my life whenever my kids spoke the first time and called me dada. Or my little girl calling me da. Da. It, it changed something about me when, when they began to cry out, daddy. My 19-year-old boy to this day calls me on the phone and says, hey, daddy, what's happening? Daddy, I need this. <laughs> and when I say, okay, he says, thanks, daddy. It's not dad. He, he calls me daddy or he calls me pops. And we text back and forth and he says, hey, daddy, how you doing? My, my daughter calling me daddy. She's got into this new thing. She calls me burb. <laughs> hey, burb. I tend to take that as a term of endearment. I have no idea what that means. My Father's Day card this morning says, you're the best burb ever. <laughs> I choose to take it as daddy. But I, I can't tell you what it does to a father's heart when you begin to recognize him, not as, oh, father, but you recognize him as daddy, yeah. papa, pops. He loves it. The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 7, he says, Now you are no longer slaves, but God's own child. And since you are his child, he made you his heir. Since you are his child, he made you his heir. Made you his heir means that there is an inheritance that is for you. There is an inheritance that God has given you and has laid up for you for you to take hold of as an inheritance. This is what makes him an essential father, is that he has laid the world. When, when you come into relationship with him and you know him as daddy, when you know him as papa, he lays the world at your feet. My little girl calls me daddy. What do you want? What, keys? You want the keys? I, don't, I, I really don't like the way she drives. It scares me. It concerns me. But she says, Daddy, can I drive your truck? I'm like, okay. <laughs> Don't wreck it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. My, my daddy and my brother are body men, so I know good body men. <laughs> this is what makes God an essential father. Because what Jesus was saying back in Matthew chapter 6, what he was saying to us, our Father, our Father as God as our Father, he said, hallowed or holy is your name. Holy 
is your name. Meaning that we're placed in such a place that it has such high value on him. When we call him holy or we deem him holy or hallowed in our lives, we are putting such a high value on him that there is nothing else, there's no one else like him. And whatever we need from from heaven as our inheritance, it's accessible to us on this earth. It's ours. Whatever's in heaven. What's in heaven? When we go back and begin to explore what's in heaven, well, we know what's not in heaven, according to the scripture, that there's no tears in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. There's no poorness or slavery in heaven. There's only good stuff. And he says, when you put a high value on him as the essential father of your life, you have access to that inheritance of heaven into our lives. Some people will ask, you know, well, in order to partake of inheritance, doesn't someone have to die? Here's the Christian thought. Here's a Christian thought that has been so upside down in the church is that We give our lives to Jesus, right? That's not the upside down thought. That's a good thought. We give our lives to Jesus, but we really can't have all of that good stuff until we die and get to heaven. That is an upside down thought. Will we have that when we get to heaven? Absolutely. That is is absolutely right. But the way that an inheritance works in our lives on earth is that someone else has to die in order to, for us to take hold of the inheritance that they have, right? We don't have to die before we get our inheritance. That's just dumb. I mean, my kids, I've, my kids have an inheritance, but they don't have to die to get the inheritance. I have to die to get, for them to get the inheritance, Right? So someone has to die to get the inheritance. That is an absolute right thought, is that someone has to die to do that, but not us. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says. This is from the, the Passion Translation. It says, And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his, let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as, as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So what is he saying here? What, what is this saying? This is saying that Jesus, before he came to earth, he was called what John chapter 1 calls, he is the word of God. He was the word of God. So when God thought it, Jesus spoke it as the word. You know, in the beginning, when, you know, God said, light be, Jesus was saying that, light be, and light was. So God, 
So Jesus and God were one together in heaven. But there was something that had to happen in order for us to have an inheritance. That Jesus, as God in heaven, poured out all of the power that he had as God and came to earth as a, child, as a, as a baby and walked out a life of obedience to God, died a criminal's death. And when he died a criminal's death, three days later, he was resurrected from the grave. He not only gave a death certificate to us to prove that we have an inheritance, but he came back alive and is saying, I'm going to help you get that. Does that make sense? He was a part of God the Father that came to earth and died to give us the inheritance of heaven so that we could have access to bring heaven to earth. We don't have to wait to heaven to get what we need. Amen? Amen. Some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. I don't know whether to go through that thing or not. What's on the other side? Well, let me help you out. Jesus' prayer for us before he went to the cross was this. Look at John chapter 17. Maybe this will help some of y'all out. John chapter 17, verse 20. Now Jesus is just hours away from going to the cross and he begins to pray for us in this time. He's praying for you in 2020. I almost forgot what year I was in. It's been such a crazy year. I just want to get through it, right? But he's praying for us during this time. Back 2,000 years ago, he's saying this. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, talking about the 12 that's around him, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one as you and I are one. He's praying this to the Father. I pray that they be, the, 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 I pray that we all, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so the world will believe that you sent me. Will they be one in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me? I have given them the glory you have given me. That is that inheritance. I have given them the glory that you have given me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they, then they can all see, they can then they can see all the glory that you have given me because you loved me even before the world began. See, this is what I want you to understand. Is it is essential for us to have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus had with the Father. Jesus saw such a value of the essence of God for him that he desired that you and I would experience the essence of God. Who God be as a father in his life is who God be as a father in our life. We tend to look at Jesus' life on this earth 
the 33 and a half years that he lived on this earth, especially the last three and a half years that he lived on this earth. And we say how amazing it was to see what God did as a father through his son, Jesus, right? How amazing that is. But did you know that Jesus had the same desire for you to walk in the same place that he did? Well, pastor, I'm not perfect. That don't matter. He gave you his life so that you could walk like him. And he gave you ways of repenting so that you could walk like him. To walk in the essence of a father. That's what makes God an essential father. Not just an essential father. It made him the essential father. So my desire for you guys in talking to you about this, my desire for you guys is I don't want you to know God the Father so that you can become a Christian. I don't, I don't want you just to know God so that you can say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. There's, there's plenty of people out there going, I'm a Christian, and they don't show it because they don't know the essential Father the way the essential Father wants to be known in their lives. So I don't want you to, to become a Christian just to be, say that I'm a Christian. But what I want you to, my desire is so that you can experience the essence of the essential father and what he has given to you as a son or a daughter of him. He don't want you just raising your hand and professing that you're a Christian. He wants you to be doing what Jesus did. Walking in the footsteps of his son and seeing miracle signs and wonders happen. What God has for me, I, I, I want you to, to experience the same things God has for me as a human being, not because I'm a pastor. I don't have any special power that I'm, because I'm a pastor. Dear God, if anything, I have less. Because I'm the one that's up here telling you to do this. But it's amazing whenever God uses you as a son or a daughter to lay your hands to lay your shaky hands upon a girl's eyes who is blind in her peripheral vision and God heal her on the spot right over here and clear her eyes right up. I didn't do anything. I didn't pray any special prayer. She just came and said, would you pray for me? I prayed for her and bashing her head around. But I prayed for her and God did something through me because I was obedient to do what Jesus would do or to lay my hands before they were shaky on a little boy who had been told that day that he had a hole in his heart and he was dying of congestive heart failure. Four-year-old boy. I put my hands on his chest and I just said, God, give him a new heart. I didn't feel anything. Nobody fell down. Nobody buzzed out of there. I just put my hands on his chest and said, God, give him a new heart. Let him go. The next day I got a call. The doctor said, we can't find a hole in his heart and he don't have congestive heart failure. And today he's 18 or 19 years old and living a good life. Drag racing cars. I'm like, go get him, boy. (laughs) It's not about me. It's about what the father has done through me because I am a son of his and he is the essential father that I need. 
He knows everything that I need before I even ask. And he knows everything that you need before you even ask. So to close this up today, I want to say this. Today is a day to honor fatherhood. And I want to give you four ways in closing. I want to give you four ways that you can be essential having relationship with the essential father. Four ways that you can be essential. You ready? I'll give you these four and I'll let you go home, I promise. But if you don't tell me you're ready, I'm going to keep you here until dinner time. Are you ready? All right. Some of y'all are hungry. Four ways that you can be essential. Number one, if your father is still here on this earth and you have connection with him, let him know how valuable he is to you. In some way, some form, some fashion, maybe your relationship is not great with your father, but, you know, send him a text, send him an email, send him a, a, a phone call, send him some way of communicating, Dad, this piece of your life has meant something to me and I value that in my life. Thank you. And stop at nothing to do that because this is not about you. It's about him. So if your father's still here, let him know how valuable he is to you. Number two, if he's not here, if he's not on this earth or he's not in your life at all, honor those who have been father figures in your life. There's somebody that you know that's been a father figure in your life, wherever you're at in life. I remember several years ago, there were men that would come to me, and I know there's men in here right now that are older than me, that are maybe even much older than me, that come to me and say, you've been like a spiritual father to me. I'm younger than them, so it doesn't play out in the math. But in spirit, something played out to where they honored me to be a spiritual father to them or to, to, to help guide them spiritually and help them grow up spiritually. So if, if you don't have a connection with your father, honor someone who has been a father figure in your life. Amen? Amen? Number three, men. This is to men especially. Purpose to be fathers to young men. To be a father figure to someone younger than you or younger in spirit than you. To be a father figure, to be a spiritual father too, find some young man to be a father too. Amen? Amen. And the last one, number four, give the greatest gift that you have to the essential father of all, the gift of yourself. This is the greatest thing that you can do is give yourself to the father. That last song that we did talked about being a sacrifice. The Bible talks about us being a sacrifice, humbling ourselves and putting ourselves on the altar, not to die physically, but to die spiritually, to give ourselves as a sacrifice unto God. Because when we do that, it gives him the opportunity to cause us to be reborn in the spirit. Amen. You get what I'm saying? So the greatest gift that you can give Father God as the essential Father is the gift of yourself. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to God before, perfect time to do it. 
you don't know what that is all about, you don't know how that's playing out, give yourself to him and watch him what he does in your life because he's a good father. He's not responsible for all the bad crap that happens in our world. He's a good father. And he'll point you toward the one who brings all the bad crap. He'll show you who brings all the bad crap and show you how to live your life through that stuff. Amen? Amen. Um, If you've never given your life to God before, this is a perfect time to do it. If you've given your life to God, give it to him again. Let that switch over in your life that he is the essential father. He is the one who is absolutely necessary for you to have life and a long life on this earth. Amen? I want to, um, I want to pray for you real quick. And as I do, that may be something that you're dealing with is putting yourself on the altar to give yourself to God. Just see in your mind's eye that you're just this gift because you are a gift. God put you on this earth to be a gift, a gift to him, a gift to this world, a gift to those around you. You are a gift. I don't care what you think about yourself. God thinks that you're a gift. And if you need to give yourself to him today, this is the perfect time to do it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time that we've had together. And I pray, God, that there is something that I have said that has sparked something on the inside of every one of us. A time of honor, a time of valuing you as the essential father, a time of valuing those, those fathers that are around us, those mentors, those, those spiritual fathers that have been around us, that we can find something to value on this Father's Day. And Father, I pray for the men that are fathers and maybe some of the women who are having to father during this time. I pray that you would give them a grace to do that and that we wouldn't hold ourselves in this place of having to be perfect, but allowing you to operate through us to bring goodness to our kids. So Father, today I stand here with everyone that is in this building, everyone who is listening by live feed or platforms. God, I stand here and say, I offer myself to you a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you to know that God, that you are a good God and you are essential to my life and I wouldn't be where I'm at without you and I can't get to where I'm going without you. I thank you for being essential. I thank you for being absolutely necessary, even in times where we've been so judgmental on what's necessary and what's not necessary. God, you are necessary to us. We thank you. We praise you for all you are. We receive you as our God. We receive the sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross for us and has given us an inheritance that we can bring heaven to this earth. And we give you all glory and honor for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.